It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Hard-edged, hard-nosed, hard to beat. Where are you coming from in this one? Your 100% essential download. Jim White and Simon Jordan. You let this get out of control. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Hi there, this is Jim White, and thanks for listening to the Outspoken with White and Jordan podcast. On today's episode, myself and Simon discuss the future of David Moyes as pressure mounts on the West Ham boss. We also hear from the fans on whether or not now is the right time to part ways with the manager. We react to the PFA statement following the incident involving Aaron Ramsdale at the end of the North London derby. And we chat with Shakhtar Donetsk's chief executive, Sergei Palkin, following the transfer of Mikhailo Mudric. A lot to get through this morning, Simon. As I say, thank God the rain is off. I know I've been going on about that for days, but it's been raining for days. So I hope it's decent weather wherever you're listening all around the UK. And thank you to everybody. So much reaction to this show. We are honestly humbled. And uh, that is the way we want to be because people getting involved with us, Simon, whether it's on TalkSport, whether it's yeah. on YouTube and Facebook, they're having conversations about what we're having conversations about is exactly what we want, right? Yes, Humbled, I'm not sure about, but appreciative of. Appreciative. We're very appreciative. I don't think David Moyes would be appreciative if David Sullivan was to move in and say time up. But late last night, yeah, the bootmaker suspended all betting on Rafa Benitez being the next West Ham manager. Now, yeah, I know. Now, that was met by quite unfavourable response right across the board from West Ham fans on social media last Mm. night, Simon. But this is what happens, isn't it? Um, West Ham, incidentally, I made a quick call to someone I know at the club, not Sullivan, just in case anybody uh, wants to question me on that, um, (laughs) tell me that, nope. Moyes is in charge and will be in charge of West Ham going into uh, this weekend's match ironically against Everton but this is what happens isn't it it is a gossip business unfortunately yeah. I hate the word yeah, rumour and that's is. why we it don't is. talk about rumour but did did you find Simon at your time at Palace that fans were talking about one of your managers who was in place getting the bullet before he actually got the bullet and then you had to make the decision oh, well, I've got to be honest I found that the media talked about it more than the fans did fans grumble at, the mo- at that moment in time and it's part and parcel of being a football fan which is to have the discussion about what they're happy with and what they're unhappy with that's the nature of an emotive sport and people being emotionally invested but I always found that you know the evidence of, of a team's performance are there in front of your eyes you cannot expect 
football fans and subsequently football club owners to endure a side being second in the bottom in the league, having spent a significant amount of money in the summer and accept that. And, and part of the landscape of football is that it's pri- football managers price it into their thinking anyway. Yes. They're self-fulfilling prophecies. They know themselves that if they find themselves in that position that they're going to be out the door waiting for the opportunity to be on the other side of the equation trying to fill someone else's job. Now, whether David Moyes has earned the right to have the currency to stay in, in position, I think he has. I think you defend the position until it becomes indefensible. If you keep losing games, you go get beat by Everton if that happens, and you lose again the following game, you are then putting yourself in the way of a decision. And you can't reasonably expect people to sit there and go, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to get to the point where it's beyond return and because of our loyalty. Mm. You, can, <coughs> you can be allowed to take us down to the championship with a £150 million wage bill and all that goes with that on the basis of that once upon a time you did something very good for us. There has to be a balance between fans being unhappy, boards reacting, teams' performances, and the opportunity to resolve the issue. Yeah, yeah. I mean, negativity over the names of the likes of Benitez and Deitch. Um, are the, is the likes of David Sullivan at the top of the club damned if he does and damned if he doesn't? Well, I think this, it's unfair to have negativity about Sean Deitch. I mean, people have positioned Sean in a certain way. They, they, they advocate for the fact his brand of football is a certain way. And they'll say, well, look at Vincent Company's change of direction at Burnley in the championship whilst rebuilding a different dynamic and in a different league. And you can, you can play perhaps more in the championship if you've got slightly better players. Yeah. You can't do so much when you've got lesser players in the Premier League. So I don't think there should be negativity about Dutch. I don't like Rafa Benitez. Not personally, I don't like him professionally. I think there is a bit of a personal dislike no, in there I don't, as well I don't, for no, some reason. I, and there's no personal dislike in there because I haven't spent any any significant amount of time with him to develop that. I'm sure if I did spend some time with him, I'd probably develop it. But from a professional standpoint, I don't like the way he operates. I don't like that breed that breed of manager. Mm. I think he's divisive. I think he has no respect for those that he works for. And if you don't want to work for somebody and you don't respect for them, then have the courage of your convictions and not do so. Matt Matthew says on social media, they're coming into us here, yeah, you are a Rafa hater. I'm not an anybody hater. I just don't particularly like that style of management which divides rather than unites. And I think that ultimately Rafa Benitez is in the business of Rafa Benitez. And whilst we all are in that business, there has to be a balance at times between what you do for yourself yeah. and what you do for others. Well, far from just being in charge of West Ham against Everton, Simon, David Moyes feels that he's going to be in charge if he's left alone, alone to do the job. He's going to be in charge for a considerable period of time. He was talking to Diary of a CEO Stephen with Bartlett. Stephen Bartlett. Yeah, yeah. Did you hear Stephen. about this? Yeah, I did, yeah. And uh, he talked about his ambitions for the football club. I want to build a new West Ham. So what does a new West Ham mean? Well, a lot of people, a lot of supporters might not like the thought of that, but West Ham have moved to a new stadium. It's not been, it's not been appreciated by everybody, but that's what we're going to be, it looks like, for the next hundred years. That's what it looks like. The club's going to be there. So we need to make the best we possibly can of it. You need exciting players so that the young kids want, want to buy a jersey so that they're not following the top two or three teams in the country. I've tried to change the team, but, you know, deep down I'd really like to say I'm trying to make West Ham better. And it used to always do it. Other people, and I was a manager at Everton, I was manager at Man United and other clubs, folk would say, ah, you get a flaky West Ham, you know, they're not not that reliable and you don't know what West Ham team's going to turn up. Well, I want to change that culture. There's so much room for improvement at West Ham. Mm. Now, you were turning your nose up to that. 
Yeah, I don't understand where David's going with this idea. I think he's what he's done is lost himself in the company that he's in. He's sitting across the table from Stephen Bartlett, a dragon, who's doing a thing called the Diary of a CEO. David Moyes is not a CEO, he's a football manager. So he's disappearing into a territory where he's advocating for a certain look. Yeah, I understand it. Once upon a time, a long time ago, when I was involved with Crystal Palace, they had that image of a little bit flash, a little bit wee, a little bit woe, a little bit of a far show character. And I wanted to put substance in it. I wanted it to be a football club, commercially that people knew they were dealing with and they couldn't take liberties with. So I understand what David's sentiment is. Well... <laughs> David, you're a football manager. You're you're there for a period of time. Your job is to win football matches. And the football club will take care of itself going forward. And the substance that you can put in is not allowing your team to go from feast to famine. And I'm, tragically for David, who is someone I really very much like as a person, as a football manager, I remember him being one of the first football managers I met when I bought Palace because he was a Preston North End manager. He's a very personable guy. I think he's an excellent football manager. I think sometimes he prevaricates and doesn't make decisions quick enough. Um, but notwithstanding that, and I do think he was harshly treated at Manchester United, and I do think he's made some bad choices dropping into Sociedad and Sunderland. But I think it's unarguable that he's a, he's a decent Premier League manager. Does he deserve to stay in the job until the end of the season? Not if it costs, not if it costs West Ham their position in the Premier League. Not at that cost. Of course it doesn't, because ultimately loyalty can go so far. We're not sending someone to the poorhouse. We're not slinging them out on his ear and saying, David, that's the end of you. David will go out of West Ham if he were to go out of West Ham, and I hope that he doesn't, on the back of having done some significant things for them. But they cannot allow the commerciality to be affected by sentimentality. And sentimentality means you look back at what he did not what he's doing now. Uh, tragically for sport, for football, we micromanage. The media micromanage. Football club owners, to some extent, try not to do it, but end up doing it. Yeah. You do what is the best thing at the particular time, and a body of work behind it cannot save somebody. So who is best to arrest the slide? Do you stick with Moyes? Or is Benitez the answer? Well, the only people that can really... If you're a football club owner that's involved in this football club, like Fahid Mashiri is not, right? You look into the eyes of the manager that, you're, that you have in front of you, like the Graham Potter situation. We're all talking about Potter being perhaps out of his depth and maybe he's going to get the bullet. But the only person who will know that is Todd Bowley because he had a reason for employing him and he must either see continuous to that reason in the daily interactions he has with Graham Potter or he doesn't. Go to Moyes. If David Sullivan, whoever else now is making decisions with David or Karen or whoever the chief executive at West Ham is, and they see that Moyes has not lost the juice that got them to a certain space and this is a moment in time that can be overcome because there are a, a range of factors that are behind the scenes. I've seen West Ham recently. They've been poor. So I don't see the players not playing for him. I see that the team is poor. I see it looks out of sorts. It doesn't look like it's got a shape or an identity. Yeah. And that is David's David's that is David's job. Not sitting on Stephen Bartlett's podcast ruminating on the bigger picture for West Ham. Welcome to the Coliseum of Confrontation. Outspoken with White and Jordan from the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. We're talking West Ham and how bookmakers suspended all betting on Rafa Benitez taken over from David Moyes. David Moyes, the club tell me, very much still in charge as West Ham prepare to meet Everton of all clubs this uh, weekend Moyes will be in charge Nick is a big West Ham fan Nick good morning you've been waiting patiently what would you like to say thanks for joining us Hi Jim Hi Simon Morning Nick um, My big thing is I feel the board has to now either back the manager or sack him I don't think there's time left in the window or even as the games come in for us just to wait and do nothing what is back him? When you say back him, you've got 160 million or best part of it in the summer. So, in your mind's eye, Nick, what does back him look like? I think, I think we have to bring in other players. I think the players he's brought in isn't working. And 
we were short inside the summer and we still need a centre forward who's going to score goals. And that's just how it is. They either back him and keep him going because the performances we're putting in aren't working. We're playing left-footed players on the right-hand side. We're playing right-wingers centre-forward, as in Mikel Antonio. And it's just not working. I mean, Nick, to simplify that, you would say just throw more money at it. Yeah, simple as that. Simple is, is that the answer, Simon? Well, in the end, football will always resort to that rather than necessarily manage because what they've to, got. To a degree, Nick's got a point. There are underachievers of the, uh, at that place. But, there but is I no can, doubt. Suchek is I, one. I, I doubt. Antonio is another. Yeah, currently, yeah. I mean, they've, they've, they've lost their way. And so has Jared Bowen and a few others. And Paqueta hasn't made the impact that people thought he would do. But sometimes players take time. I don't see... West Ham buying their way out of trouble in a way that some other football clubs might do but then again if they get the fear of God put into them that they're in the bottom three coming right to the end of January they might react but I, I look at it and say wasn't there a time and I haven't heard David Sullivan speak recently but there was a time a couple of years ago when West Ham were, were very poor and they weren't in good nick and Sullivan came out and talked about the timing of things and how things would get better and the squad was good enough are you really suggesting that with the group of players that you've got at this moment in time that you are only worthy of second to bottom in the league? No, of course not. But we have lost Mark Noble. We have lost big players in the changing room. British players. I'm a big... Like, I love signing British hard-working players. That's the West Ham. And I listened to David Moyes on, his, on the podcast with the CEO. And he's talking about a new West Ham and a new thing. But West Ham want hard-working players. And we haven't signed the right type of players that we lost in Mark Noble. Like, but Mark was a bit part player, though, wasn't he, Nick? He's been a bit part player on the pitch for the last couple oh, of years, hasn't he? The changing room, huge. And it feels like we've lost that a little bit. Well, now we he's in the boardroom, Nick, as you know. Nick, listen, thank you for the call. You made, you made some good points. We're taking them on board. Sam's another West Ham fan. Sam, good morning. What do you want to say this morning? Oh, yeah, I just heard the uh, talk of Rafa Benitez. Um, I, I think to bring him in, Going off his track record, his poor man management is the last thing that we need at the moment. We need someone that's going to G the players up and, and fight for the badge, which isn't happening at the moment. I mean, when David Moyes is talking about his long-term vision for the football club, uh, Sam, is it not just prudent? This is where you're at. Just back him to get you out of the trouble that you're in and stay in the Premier League under Moyes. I think it's difficult because if you go even back to last January, our results since then have been so poor... Um, it, it doesn't look at the moment that we're going to turn it round. Uh, I, I'm, I was at Wolves on, on Saturday, and they're a team that's struggling as well, and we, we couldn't get near to them. I, 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 I struggle to remember a time when we had uh, more than one shot on target at the moment. It's, it's really poor watching the games at the moment. I don't, I don't want to be sounding, you know, <laughs> the bringer of a doomsday comment, but are you now seriously fearful that this is the season you'll drop? I, I feel like. We shouldn't, but if it carries on the way it is, I can't think of a team that we're better than at the moment. You see Southampton lately picking up results. I mean, Everton at the weekend, if, it, if, if we go a goal down early, the, the atmosphere will turn hostile at the stadium. And I think that, that could make us struggle even more. Hard-edged, hard-edged.
hard-nosed, hard to beat. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Simon, uh, the PFA have got involved uh, regarding oh, that incident. Useful. Yeah, that incident at the end of the North London derby, a match that Arsenal won at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium by two goals to nil. Um, the 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 moment when Aaron Ramsdale and uh, Richarlison kind of locked horns, and then from nowhere, a fan behind that goal, and I was over there in that area before the game. Very little space between that goal and uh, the actual supporters. Uh, a supporter moved towards Aaron Ramsdale and kicked out at him. Now, of course, the PFA involving themselves, what are they saying? They're pushing back on the criticism, Simon, from some, including Richarlison, that Ramsdale himself antagonised the Tottenham support, unnecessarily kissing the badge at the end of the game. Ramsdale, as I say, was kicked by the fan. The PFA say we're pushing back against any narrative where players are held responsible for the actions of spectators. Absolutely nothing that happens on the pitch justifies a spectator entering the field of play or attacking a player. We've seen players left dangerously isolated on the pitch and essentially left to take responsibility for their own safety and security. You should never be put in what might potentially be a legally vulnerable position. But surely Ramsdale himself has a bit more responsibility around a moment like that. They have just won. They've won at Tottenham. He turns round, broad smile on his face, pulls his shirt, kisses the badge and then Richardson gets involved and then our friend behind the goal gets involved in a manner which is absolutely reprehensible and he deserves what's coming to him, that supporter. Surely Ramsdale himself, unlike what the PFA are saying here, has got an element of respons- responsibility at that time too. There's no behaviour on the pitch that can vindicate or validate fans stepping across the line and doing what that fan did. So irrespective of what Ramsdale did, right, you cannot suggest that the fan has any any vindication for it. Was it wise for Ramsdale to get in amongst? Yes, he's getting a load of uh, a jip during the game, but that's what the, the key component of the uh, argument is. Professional footballer, fan, professional footballer. You are in a very um, uh, uh, privileged position, uh, well looked after, well respected, well paid. So you have to go with the territory of taking some barracking from away fans in competitive football matches. So probably the wise move would be to ignore it, not kiss the badge, at the same time as wander over to where the fans are that you tried to get a rise out of. The third part of the equation, which I also find, is Richarlison. Richarlison has no needs and no business to light that up. Yeah. Now, I'm not suggesting that, that I'm going to comp- contradict myself by saying Ramsdale doesn't provide validation for the fans' behaviour. Richarlison lights the blue touch paper. Mm. He's the one that makes it a physical altercation that subsequently then extends to a fan becoming involved. So, as a, as a footballer, Richarlison doesn't need to do what he's done. It's none of his business. He's been on the pitch for 20 minutes... Right? So it's got nothing to do with him. He didn't need to get involved with Ramsdale. And given the fact that Richarlison is a samba-dancing hypocrite when it suits him, I really don't think he's got any 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 strong platform to, to get himself involved. We all know it's emotion. We want football players to have an emotivity. We want them to be invested. We want them to be committed. All this kissing in the badge is a lot of old cobblers, right? Because they'll be out the door quicker than a quick thing from Quickland soon something better comes along for them, right? So it's all nonsense and jingoistic and tribalistic tripe, right? But the bottom line is, is the PFA should be saying, bang, absolutely no acceptance of that fan's behaviour. By the way, players, 
let's be a bit more sensible. Let's be a bit wiser. Yeah. Let's uh, let's ex- let's understand the circumstances we're in. Is it wise for you to bait fans uh, in a highly charged environment? You say banter, I say bait. You're baiting. You're getting involved with fans. Of course, he's baiting. So yeah. the, with that in mind, does it does the cause justify the effect? No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Because look at what's happened elsewhere, Simon. Nottingham Forest and Wolves have been charged by the FA for a disciplinary breach yeah. following their game uh, between the, the sides. And this happened on the pitch at the end of the Carabao Cup quarterfinal last Wednesday. Now, Forrest had won the penalty shootout. Stewart had to run on and intervene. And it kicked off. Why did it kick off? Now, you, you could say Morgan Gibbs-White had a great deal to do with that. Yeah. Giving it back, in inverted commas, to the Wolves fans with this finger-in-the-ears gesture yeah. to them. And then it all kicks off. It's the same thing. And now these two these two clubs um, have, have, uh, are, are, have been charged for breaching this rule following the... I mean, I'm torn by it because I do want emotion from players. I do want players to understand their responsibility. I don't want players like Emmanuel Adebayo to run from one end of the pitch to the other when he's playing for Man City and give it back to fans. I don't want Gary Neville, the old Barrett Room lawyer, doing what he did on a pitch, running over to, I think it was Man City fans or Liverpool fans uh, and giving it to Bigham when he was on the pitch because I think it's incendiary. It's unnecessary. You're a professional footballer. Right. So, But they are young men. They are caught up in the same emotions that we're all caught up in life, and sometimes circumstances get the better of them. It's incumbent upon the PFA and the the club management to make the players, for want of a better expression, whiter than white, Mm. to make them in a situation where they understand that they are part of the equation. Yeah, we know they shouldn't be subject to fans' abuse. We know in an ideal world, but swap it out. You, £300,000 a week footballer. You, £25,000 a year dustman. You know, let's get context here and about the reality of who's where and who's doing what and what you should be able to do to overcome these things. So specifically, Simon, what's your take on that particular line from the PFA? We are pushing back against any narrative where players are held responsible for the actions of spectators. No, that's not right. It's, it should be more nuanced and more qualified. We're not suggesting that they're responsible. We're suggesting that they're not an appropriate part of a chain that should be broken at its weakest link. Yeah. And the player shouldn't be in the conversation. It should be simply, what a disgusting little wretch has come on the pitch and done something that he should be consequenced for. We shouldn't be discussing the fact that, 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 that there was a necessity for Ramsdale to bait the fans and give it the badge bit and then run over to where the fans were to pick up his gloves. Not wise, not sensible, not necessary. I understand why it happens because I'm not living in a, in a, in a in la-la land. It's not necessary for Richarlison to get involved. It's not necessary. You know, and with that in mind, all of those component parts should mean that everyone takes an element of, not responsibility, but everyone looks at it pragmatically and says, it would be better, Aaron, if you didn't do that. Yeah. It would be better, yeah. Richarlison, if you didn't go and confront the goalkeeper and light the blue touch paper. And none of it, none of it, gives the fan an excuse. Well, I'm coming to you, one of the listeners, but before I do, I mean, Simon, that's typical of some of the messages we're getting. No name in this one. Why shouldn't players celebrate? Why shouldn't they show passion and emotion? Players that are abused for 90 minutes, the second they show any sort of response, they're the villain. I mean, we've got to get terminologies into play. Abuse. You know, in this culture that we live in this day, you've got to look at someone the wrong way and it's called abuse. What you've got is fans, in the tribalistic way that they do, provide atmospheres where they give people 
pelters. And football players understand it's priced into the territory. So I want to get the balance between suggesting that fans go too far, and sometimes I do think fans go too far. I think fans currently are, t- are pushing the envelope in certain football clubs and taking it to a place that they're not entitled to be in. One thing supporting your football club, one being, being hugely invested in a, in a community asset. It's another thing stepping across the line yeah. and taking it to a place it shouldn't be. Football players, you know, we asked them. I know this is ridiculous. I know this is going back into dark times. We asked the players whether we like it or not, in COVID times, none of us can go anywhere near one another. We'd much prefer if we don't have to have this big histrionics of celebrating and kissing whilst we're on the pitch. What did the players do? They ignored it. They all ran over to one another, gave big one another hugs, and all the football fans that couldn't sit inside football stadiums watching it on television going, hang on a second, we've all got a social distance, but you lot can do precisely what you want. There's a balance to be struck, and the PFA, as their usual crappy claptrap union nonsense, get on the wrong side of it. One-dimensional nonsense. They should be saying... It's unacceptable. There's a culture being bred inside fans we need to eradicate. Uh, But we would also like to remind players of their behaviour on the pitch to remove any issue that they can be held accountable for. And that's that's where it should be. And that's that's where it should be. That's missing in the statement. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Jim White and Simon Jordan uh, this Tuesday morning. We're talking uh, transfers. We're talking, of course, the transfer window closing on the 31st of this month and clubs getting big deals done. No bigger than this because uh, Chelsea and not Arsenal got in at the very last moments and signed uh, Mudrik, very good player, from Shakhtar Donetsk on Sunday there in a deal worth, uh, we are told, up to £89 million. We're told it's €70 million plus plus thirty million euros in uh, add-ons. It's a transfer record, you won't be surprised to hear, for Ukrainian football. But now the president of Shakhtar Donetsk has said that the money would help, some of the money would help a project named Heart of Azovstal, aimed at helping Mariupol defenders and the families of fallen soldiers. 
In other words, part of that money will go towards the Ukrainian War Fund. I'm delighted to say the chief executive of Shakhtar Donetsk, Sergei Palkin, joins us live on the show. Sergei, hi to you. How are you? Yes, yes, very good, very good. Thank you very much. Yeah, I hear you very good. That is good. Yeah, so so break it down to for us. Is it 70 million euros plus 30 million euros? And the president of the club is saying some of that will go towards the Ukrainian war effort. Uh, yes, you know, the uh, president of our club yesterday did declaration that uh, he will uh, donate uh, 25 million euros for project, you know, uh, like, I mean, uh, he will send this money to uh, support defenders of Mariupol, you know, and... Uh, support family who, uh, you know, lost, uh, and, uh, I mean, uh, their father, their, you know, brother, and et cetera, et cetera. You know, therefore, yes, he will donate this money. And uh, for us, it's very important. For Ukraine, it's very important. And uh, for, to support our, you know, f- families, uh, you know, it's uh, important. And uh, actually, our defenders. Well, it's a remarkable deal. I mean, obviously, your, your owner is an incredibly successful man in his own right. When Chelsea were negotiating with you, did they have an understanding that there was a potential that a significant part of the transfer fee was going to be uh, donated to this cause? Um, a very a very noble cause, by the way, and a very generous cause on behalf of your owner. But did Chelsea understand that was part and parcel of your thinking when you were negotiating the transfer fee with them? You know, uh, I, I can tell you the following. You know, actually, uh, when uh, President announced that he will donate this money, he will uh, you know, I would like to emphasize that he will donate his own money, you know. I mean, it's it's this, I mean, actually, there is no direct connection between this deal and donation of this money, because, like this one, yeah. Okay. I see. So it's it's his own money. It's not coming out of the Mudrik deal. It's his own money. Yes, yes, yes. And I would like to emphasize on this one. So why is he doing it at this particular time, at a time when his player... Is, is going to Chelsea in a huge financial deal. You know, you know, the question is that uh, uh, the president, you know, he has in his mind, you know, um, uh, uh, that he wants to create this kind of fund, you know. It's like co- co- coincidentally, you know, it's arrived to this date, you know, and we decided to announce uh, exactly after deal with Mudrik, you know. And uh, uh, I think, you know, it was a good idea to, announced directly after, I mean, directly next day after deal, you know. Everybody here, Sergei, thought Mudrik was going to go to Arsenal. Mudrik thought he was going to go to Arsenal. He was pictured with an Arsenal shirt on, I believe. So what clinched it? How much more did Chelsea bid than Arsenal bid? You know, my question, it's a good question, actually. You know, and for, uh, from my point of view, why everybody started to talk about Arsenal? Because Arsenal contacted players almost, uh, you know, one and a half, months, two months ago, even before contacting us, you know. And, uh, you know, from Arsenal, Arteta called him, you know, Zinchenko called him, sport director called him, and it's like every almost every day, you know. And they agreed all conditions, they contacted with agent of player, and after they arrived to us, started uh, we started to negotiate this deal, you know. And maybe because of this one, you know, they spent with Mudrik almost two months, and uh, there was information in the internet and media that um, they contacted, I mean, I mean that... Uh, Mudrik would like to go there and etc. etc. But if we're talking about Chelsea, you know, Chelsea, uh, you know, called me, you know, at the end of December and asked me, can 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 uh, we contact player, you know, can we uh, talk to him? I said, okay, I connected them. And actually, they started to talk with each other at the beginning of January, you know. But before, 
uh, we had a lot of contacts with Chelsea about this deal, you know. And uh, finally, Arsenal and Chelsea, they propose the same uh, money, 70 fixed part and 30, 30 it's uh, bonuses, you know. Your 100% essential download, Outspoken with White and Jordan. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. Please leave us a review wherever you get your podcast. We'll be back each weekday to bring you the best of the show. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.